I don't think Harry Styles is any less thirsty for oh, fame, no. for attention than not. anybody else. But he's not so hungry that he lets it get in the way of his chill. And yeah. so many of them wind up looking like they're breaking a sweat. And yeah. that's why we like question them, right? Bieber or uh, Bieber or... <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lainey. I'm the founder of LaineyGossip.com. I'm a talk show host in Canada and also an entertainment reporter and... I am so excited about the return of Elite. We love teen culture. My name's Duanna Taha. I am a television screenwriter and producer. I can't remember what usually goes in the second line here, but uh, I think I have several I told you so's about teen culture in this episode. Which is focused around Harry Styles and why he happens to be the one place where Duanna and I intersect. Plus, his comparisons to Hugh Grant somehow took us to Hilary Duff, Simon Cowell, and the deep, deep trough of boy and girl bands that occupy our brains where the algebra should be. And finally, we admire the energy that Normani brought to her Rolling Stone interview. This is Show Your Work. cheeky question go for it. like it might get us canceled though go still for, good go go for lady here's what i want to know do you think there's like a cool way to be around coronavirus now that is so weird because i wanted to talk to you about coronavirus i mean <laughs> i you know knowing what we all know right and knowing or not know or not know yeah, yeah. that we know nothing and that people are selling out of purell um, and then, you know, in all the sort of face mask fashions and whatnot, not to take it too lightly, but, um, yeah. Is there a cool way to do it? What's the, what's the chill hang with coronavirus? I don't know. And yeah, will we be canceled? Because for sure people are suffering and being quarantined and dying. So we do not mean to make light of this. No, but a lot of people, I mean, that's one angle, right? A lot of people are being quarantined or self-quarantining if they suspect they've been exposed. And a lot of those people, not to be Mary Sunshine, are recovering, mm -hmm. which is great. Yep. Um, so yeah, is is there going to be like a meme of like corona quarantined or oh, like right. Everybody, like, it's one of those movements, a social media, mo mo like, movement. I kind of wonder, right? Yeah. I keep thinking about those kids on the ship who were, like, teens and were uh, sequestered with their parents for, like, day oh my 18. God. Can you imagine? Day 24. So, uh, yeah, what's the cool coronavirus uh, take, I guess? I don't know what the cool coronavirus take is. Um, and I don't know that I'm there yet. I mean, I know that Saturday Night Live covered it in a sketch um, and they, you know, tried to make a joke out of it. And I think the take on it was love is blind crossed with coronavirus. That was the sketch. So it was. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Did you see it yourself? Yeah. We, I thought we watched everything. I thought you were talking about uh, the LaGuardia sketch. No, there, yeah, there was a LaGuardia sketch and I, there was, am I like, or am I conf like, am I confusing it with another show? No, it's here. Oh, it was cut for time. Okay. That's why. I saw it. Um, right. So it's, uh, it's one of those clips that they, uh, issue because the sketch is great, but that was cut for time. Right. Um, so we're it's both like a digital short, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So we're both correct. I feel okay. better. Okay. All right. So, right. My point was, I know SNL did something on it. My 
sort of fascination. I mean, if that's an inappropriate word, sorry. Well, no, look, it's a thing that is happening to all of us, right? Yes. Anybody who is hearing this knows it exists in the world. And so we're all kind of uh, processing it in our own ways. It's not even just exists in the world. Like it has had a corollary impact on industry mm -hmm. and not just travel. I mean, there are most companies or many major companies are now uh, instituting policies about work travel. Yeah. So I know of several colleagues whose companies are saying we are suspending international work travel for the foreseeable future, or at least if you need to go somewhere, we need to have a bigger discussion about it. There are conference calls happening every day in companies. Um, I read that Coca-Cola mm -hmm. is suspending production of Diet Coke because of supply chain. Oh. Like if you can't, people aren't working yeah, 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 of in course. certain areas in the world and you can't gather materials. I mean, this is... I'm speaking in so, such general terms because I don't actually know what goes into the making of a Diet Coke. And why it's different from regular Coke or whatever. But that's yeah, I right. gotcha. And they're saying that like the longer this goes and if it gets really bad, then yeah, we're, it's not just that we won't be able to go anywhere. And it's not just that we have to wear face masks, but our lives, like the day-to-day -day work life of people is going to change. As it is in certain places around the world, people can't go to work. Like, I actually don't know how Apple is saying that their, their production of their phones and their factories are fine when their factories are in places where you can't go to work, you can't leave your house. Do you want to know what's such a, uh, not hilarious, but like a, a minutia effect of this that is... Uh, spiraling into a bigger issue. So all these workplaces now have to turn on hot water. You know, when you go somewhere and you go and wash your hands and no matter what you do to the taps, it's freezing. That's some places turn off their hot water to save money. And some workplaces have done this in the past, but now they have to turn on the hot water. So economic impacts all over the place. Economic impact, which obviously affects people's work lives. Yeah. Work impact. I'm supposed to go on a work trip this weekend. I don't know if it's happening. Mm -hmm. It's within North America, but... Yeah, but schedules. everything... Yeah. Well, I should tell you that one of my parents is currently on um, a Caribbean cruise. And so I, you know, whatever... Uh, I don't think we need to be hysterical or anything, but also travel is what it is. So I understand if nobody wants to talk with me yeah. after my parent returns home. Yeah. I just, this was just uh, reported four hours ago in USA Today. Twitter suspends travel as the business world grapples with, uh, grapples with spreading coronavirus. It might be a whole new new movement. This might be like 2020 is the year of the remember that that uh Swedish term for getting cozy that came up? Remember that like, is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Like is this the year that we re-embrace the the nesting, the hygge? I don't know, but I'm just double checking that um coronavirus and Diet Coke thing. Um, so this was an article also in USA Today last week. Can coronavirus affect your Diet Coke habit? Coca-Cola said on Monday that its supply chain could be disrupted in the long term as coronavirus continues to spread. The beverage manufacturer also said it depends on suppliers in China for certain sweeteners added to its diet and zero sugar drinks. So yeah, this is the ripple effect. And if you think about, I was thinking about, for example, Amazon. So much of Amazon orders come from China mm -hmm. and well, people ordering things, period. Um, anyway, so I really, I, I wonder like a month from now, what we're going to be, what we're going to be doing, what people are going to be doing. Right. <laughs> and if it's going to be a, a movement, like the way we say in a post me too world, if we're going to yeah. be saying, yeah, remember in a pre, in a pre Corona environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to say I look forward to it, but I'm just saying once something comes into the culture, it's a conversation. Okay. But are you thinking about stockpiling? I know, you know how I live. I live in <laughs> denial. Um, I can't panic about things like this. Um, so I usually am one of those people. I know you are. 
I'm pretty, for some reason, I'm super chill about this. I have, I have people I know in my life who are stockpiling. I mean, they're loading up on canned foods and it's not because it, it's an apocalypse. It's because they're thinking of the worst case, they're thinking of the worst case scenario where people are going to be told, hey, stay home for a month. Right. While we contain this. And when you can't go out, you need to be at home all the time. And what are you going to eat? What are you going to uh, You're still going to eat Uber Eats. You're just going to tell the Uber <laughs> driver to leave it at the door and pick it up after he leaves. Well, again, in the most extreme case, you don't trust any food that is made by other people. Okay. But a canned food producer could still be a carrier if we're getting there. There's nothing that makes that more. Canned food is safer in this situation than fresh prepared food. Joanna, stop fighting me on this. You know this. The the day that I see you open a can of food. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm going to stockpile. I'm married to someone who might be a stockpiler though. Like oh, I, I assume I, he already is. I assume <laughs> there's already a doomsday bunker out in your backyard. Yeah, I, I do think that he might be starting to stockpile. Anyway, um, listen, we're not going to continue with this doomsday, uh, this doomsday talk for the entire episode. Obviously, it's curious that it was both on both our minds. But also, I will say something else um, as we shift into our lighter topics. When I was a young person... And trying to convince my dad that show business was a legitimate career and that, no, I would not become a lawyer or accountant, I told him entertainment is recession proof uh, because no matter what is happening in the world, in fact, the more dire the world is, the more we need entertainment. Uh, So here we are talking about uh, the work of the peeps we love uh, to distract you from the world. You and I rarely intersect on rarely loving intersect. people. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there are the big people, Beyonce, yeah. Rihanna, but uh, men is what we're getting yeah. at. We rarely we intersect. Rarely intersect on, on men. men. I feel like you have a, a passing appreciation for John Hamm. I do. He's like, I mean, he doesn't come to mind immediately. I don't understand how you function, but I, yes, okay. I find him very handsome, right. but yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a couple. We have to work pretty hard to find those crossovers. Right. But we realized this week that we do cross over on one person. Yeah, I think almost against both our wills. It was in the course of another conversation that we were having mm-hmm. uh, that we will be able to tell you about soon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we realized that this one individual kind of hits the right note, pun accepted. Yeah. For both of us. He's more me than you. Like if he has to skew one way, he'd probably skew closer to me than yeah, to you. Yeah, true. But uh, uh, let's just uh, rip the Band-Aid off. I mean, uh, you like people who are... Uh, Youthful. Young young to the point <laughs> of being possibly problematic. Stop. Do not know. Uh, I, and I will say that I like youthful. I like uh, an early career. And this person... Uh, is is growing up in a way that uh, gives me a feeling of some security. That would be Harry Styles. Of all the people. We've talked about Harry Styles before. We're talking about Harry Styles now because uh, he released an album late in 2019. He is now promoting, um, he's on promotion. He's like pretty out there over the last couple of weeks because he's about to kick off his tour. I was going to say, it'd be late to promote the album, yeah. but sure. Okay. So the tour obviously supports the album. The tour is, it's the love tour. He's, <laughs> is that going <laughs> to? Like, uh, the, the, is it over now? <laughs> yeah, my meter is going down as we speak. <laughs> All right. So, but anyway, so he's been on the Today Show. He released a new video. He uh, was on Howard Stern recently, and this was my pitch to you because when you go on Howard Stern, first of all, it's one of those outlets that you're not going to be able to like vet questions ahead of time. No, it's like, um, and that's why it's so fun, right? It's like uh, uh, Watch What Happens Live or uh, maybe certain of James Corden's jokes, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. the whole reason you go there is to look like somebody who 
is willing to bear it all. I should say it's not the love tour. It's the love on tour. Like love on, like continue to love. Like Like it's the way they refer to it is love on tour. Anyway, please. Okay. Just hang on to your Harry Styles appreciation just for another hour. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'm here. So he goes on Howard Stern, as you mentioned, it's like, it is as, as real approaching real conversation as possible while doing promotion. Right. But I guess, yeah, people who go on Howard Stern, it's like, I have the balls to do this. Yes. I'm going to play. Yeah. And um, they touched on many subjects. One of them um, was about his relationship or whatever you want to call it with Taylor Swift. Sure. Yeah. So um, when Howard asked him about people writing songs about him. Uh-huh. Harry Styles said the following, quote, I think it's like flattering. Even if the song isn't flattering, you still spend time on it. And it ultimately, using Taylor as an example, she's a great uh, songwriter. So at least they're good songs. It's not a diplomatic answer. It's diplomatic as hell to the yeah. point where I'm like, Howard Stern, do your job, man. Right. He goes on, um, though, to say... That, um, so first of all, he's obviously, he knows what Howard was getting at. Yeah, of course. Um, so then he goes on to say, the only time you really think, is this song too personal? Is if you think about it, is this going to be really annoying for the other person? Because I do. So anyway, I wanted your thoughts on that. I wanted your thoughts on, and the reason why I pitched this to you is he's, I think that he has differentiated himself from the other members of One Direction with like his sound, first uh-huh. of all. It's all it's still poppy, but it has this um, I don't know, this kind of like retro vibe to it for sure. And with his general public image now. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about Harry Styles. Here is 38% of what I really like about him. Uh, And I say this as somebody who I don't think I ever watched uh, two One Direction videos or appearances in sequence, you know? Yeah. I knew they existed. I got it. But he's not desperately trying to tell us how grown up he is, Mm. how different he is. Yeah. He's not constantly saying, I've grown past that. I'm I'm not that man man anymore. Yeah. Um, You know, or like, oh, that all that was a long time ago. It would have been very easy to dismiss the Taylor question with, well, we were kids, but that was so long ago and I'm such a grown up. And let me tell you about all the other love affairs I've had that people didn't write songs about, yeah. i.e. I'm grown, I have sex. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He doesn't do that. He doesn't protest too much. No. It really makes me like him. It, it for sure, that is part of it. So that's a, that's a move for sure. I agree. And I, I didn't know how to articulate it until you just did. So thank you. That, yeah, there's no um, obvious... You know, when when stars evolve like this or move into new eras of their career, it's almost like an announcement. You can you can see the mis- like the machinery churning and it feels like it's a formula, a play by numbers. Yeah, I totally agree with right? you. Yeah. And if this is a calculated strategy, mm-hmm. then it certainly comes as close to looking and feeling as organic as it ever did for anybody else. Yeah, I agree with that. But, um, you know, you've been really into lately talking about thirst. And uh, I think it's also about, I don't think Harry Styles is any less thirsty for fame, for attention than anybody else. But I think that he's not so hungry to kind of, mess with the term that it, he lets it get in the way of his chill, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's sort of like, yeah, I'm going to shift. I'm going to move, but only in a way that doesn't make me look like I'm breaking a sweat. And so many of them 
wind up looking like they're breaking a sweat. And yeah. that's why we like question them, right? Bieber or uh, Bieber or, <laughs> you know, like, didn't he have a whole song about how he gets to have sex with his wife now? Like, okay. Yeah. Um, so I assume that's what you're asking me about. Mm -hmm. If you're asking me specifically about his quote about the song. Yeah. Um, or the songs, uh, the songs, uh, I mean, you know, I almost, the second part of the quote that you read about, oh, I wonder if this is going to do something bad for somebody. Yeah. I think he doesn't have much of a leg to stand on there because you can tell me differently if you want to. But he comes off pretty goddamn great in that song. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Like that song only makes him more attractive to me. There are a few of them, but I, they're like, are you talking about style? Yeah. Yeah. There are a few songs like Out of the Woods is about Th him. That's what I mean. Like yeah. the whole thing of we're having this torrid affair. Yeah. It's super secret. And then we're moving on. It all makes him look great. No. Yeah. She has um, targeted and bullseyed people a lot worse yeah in a yeah. way that that is really um indemnifying yeah right uh that's very like it, there was real like, i want you to know this guy's a shit that's right yeah um this is the specific way in which i was wronged that's right and but who isn't cooler because of a love affair that flamed out fast i i agree with you i i don't think that she i don't think he looked super terrible out of it I also really like that through it all, he seemed, as you said, pretty chill about it. Correct. Um, and it goes back to something that we've talked about a lot this season about not giving a shit anymore. Uh-huh. Or, I mean, we talked about it last episode where Jessica Simpson was concerned. Yep. And there is a little bit, and I don't know if it's performed, and if it is performed, then good for him, but he does seem like he's a little bit shruggy about a lot of things, which he wears well. Well, I guess the reason that it doesn't seem performed is the reason that Harry Styles is as big as he is anyway. Uh, we talked about this last week with regard to uh, your people. You can go ahead and say the name so that you get the... BTS. There we go. <laughs> um what happens is, uh, you know, as as we know, teen girls are the arbiters of what is popular. And then if it gets loud enough, then it makes it to the mainstream. Mm -hmm. One Direction as a band, y'all can yell at me if you want, but they were not that revolutionary. But I think what set them apart, part of what escorted them into the mainstream was his level of chill, was his ability when they were first doing press, North American mainstream press, whatever, to kind of be laid back, to make a joke with somebody 30 years his senior and yeah. make them seem like peers, right? So I guess what I'm saying is if it's an act, if it's a put on, then it's been real well practiced for a long time. You are sort of, as we established last week and, you know, ongoing, you are, you do have um, like at least a master's degree in boy bands. Yeah, oh, it's true. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about where he is now with his second solo album, a few years removed from achieving fame through a boy band and whether or not you've seen this before or if he is perhaps the most successful exit. I think that unfortunately, if we're going to play comparison games, um, Justin Timberlake is going to have to be discussed. Yeah, for sure. But let's, uh, let's say I have one sort of caveat here. And that is that as a culture, we've changed a lot mm -hmm. in that, uh, as, as a pop culture culture, we've changed a lot in that it used to be that when somebody from one avenue, one particular arm wanted to do a different thing, everybody went, ah, what? Yeah. They're, uh, they're an actor now. They're How a dare dancer he? now. Yeah. Uh, as there was a real stay in your lane thing and not even out of, uh, like, I don't even think it was about jumping, uh, like social echelons. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just such a thing. Right. And the reality is if you are somebody who has been involved in 
any kind of show business for any length of time, you're probably good at a number of things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So what I'm getting at here is, yes, Justin Timberlake, who, uh, you know, yes, we roll our eyes and he moved past being in a boy band while still being Justin Timberlake. But, you know, I don't have a huge issue with his acting roles, his SNL appearances, because, yeah, he also was an actor. If fame had come for Justin Timberlake in the form of a TGIF sitcom as opposed to uh, NSYNC, I don't think that it would have been like, oh, no, thanks. I'm a musician where I you're making a, a, a skeptical face. I don't think that he's a good actor. I think he's a stronger entertainer uh-huh. than he is like a stage entertainer than he is an actor. I think he is a capable actor, or as my father would say, adequate. Um, <laughs> he may not be somebody who lets you forget that he's Justin Timberlake, but he, you know, he knows how to do the things that elicit reactions where they're supposed to. And because of course, part of being in a boy band is acting part of all those things. By contrast, the person I think about who got vilified and condemned is, uh, Robbie Williams. Mm. Do you remember when Mm -hmm. Robbie Williams left? Take Take that. that. Yep. Um, and he, you know, he had a great first solo track. Remember millennium and how great it was. Um, but I think Robbie Williams was somebody where Acting should have been a much more seamless transition because there comes a time when all but a few, few, few people don't want to be solo singing for the rest of their lives. And I feel like it was a harder uphill battle than it should have been. That's fair. You know, um, and there's a few like that where you're sort of like, I, I, I don't know if it, yeah, I don't know if it should have been as hard yeah. as it was. But it is common where boy bands are concerned, where the conversation after the initial rush and the peak, we start talking about who's going to be the one yep. to break through. As if there to, only has to be one, but yes. Right. But it happens, right? Uh-huh. Boy yeah. band and girl bands, let's say. Yeah, for sure. Who's going to be the one to be the like the successful solo act? Mm-hmm. Um, and... I do think that with NSYNC in particular, it was always between Justin and JC. Yeah, but JC, yeah, I agree. Yes. Um, I don't want to get into a prolonged conversation about why I think JC was shafted, but okay. Do you think Harry was that one from One Direction? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. He was the person who your eyes went to Mm -hmm. as soon as they were on stage, right? Um, ironically, I would say that, uh, when there are, maybe this is part of the formula when there are too many, you know how the whole thing about a boy band is you pick your favorite, right? Yes. It's called a bias. Oh, sure. But in, in bands where there is too, even a split. Yeah. Um, it, they cancel each other out. It's like too many democratic candidates. Right. And nobody becomes the one. Right. Case in point, new kids on the block. Case in point, again, the Backstreet Boys. Mm. Those were huge bands. But there were people out there who legitimately loved AJ or loved Brian or Nick or whatever. Like no horse surged ahead. No, not they came forward and back. But no, there was not. You know, there was no given one. Uh, Or, yeah, New Kids on the Block, the same thing, right? Yeah. Whereas if you look at NSYNC, I don't know what J.C. Chazez is doing now. Chazé? Chazé? I don't know what J.C.'s doing now. Right. But uh, here's who I know is doing just fine. Um, And that's like Joey Fatone, (laughs) who's like, I'm going over here. I'm not in this, like, I'm not in this sword fight for who's going to be the cutest boy. Right. I'm going to go over here and host, and that's my niche, and I'm going to walk into it and be fine. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, uh, I will say that in recent history, uh, the headlines I've seen about almost every other One Directioner who's made a headline uh, really seem disgruntled about not being taken seriously enough. Is that fair? Uh, I mean, Zane has that aura about him, period. Yes. I feel like I saw a Lewis Tomlinson interview not too long ago that was of the same stripe. Louis? Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, and yeah, maybe Louis has had some. Now, Louis also had a lot of personal tragedy. And so part of his complaints lately are legitimate and they're all grouped in together about how he hasn't been treated fairly. Um, and the media has been reprehensible over in England about, you know, his situation, his family situation, his mom died and then his sister died. Right. I mean, that's awful. Absolutely. Horrible. Um, but yeah, I think that over and above that too, it is a common refrain for people who do exit the boy band thing and go off on their own to kind of talk about their boy band history with a little bit of shame or at least want to forget about it. Um, Justin Timberlake certainly did that. Yeah, which I don't understand why. I don't think you have to do that. I think you can be, uh, and maybe that's what's changing too. I think you can say this is a part of my, maybe it's about offending the 12-year-old girls, that if you say, uh, you know, if you acknowledge from jump that this is a part of my journey and yeah. not what I intend to be doing for the next 30 years, then you alienate people who don't think it's super pure. But I think it's everybody knows the game. They're going to be together for a while. We're all going to love them. Someday they're going to end. It's going to be okay. Well, and I think that that's, I, I appreciate too that that's not the Harry Styles approach. No. Where it's never been like, oh, cover my mouth sheepishly. Oh, yeah, my One Direction days. Can we move past that? I don't want to talk about it. It's 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 kind of like, yeah, it was great. Had a great time with those guys, traveled the world, and I loved what we did, and I'm taking those fans with me on my, my solo ride. And you know, this is where boy banders could take a real page from actors. <gasps> I was gonna, I wanted to say this too. We must be like brain melded tonight. Maybe. Okay, where were you going with it? Anytime there is an actor uh, who's now a really, really big deal, an A-list, whatever, and somebody brings out a photo of them, a George Clooney on The Facts of Life. Yeah. Or Ryan Gosling on The Young Hercules or Breaker High. Or Chadwick Boseman on As the World Turns or whatever soap opera he was on. Or, uh, and I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but on the PBS show Ghostwriter, Samuel L. Jackson plays the dad. Yeah. Who doesn't get a name beyond dad. Yeah. They're all like, yeah, remember that? Wasn't it great? Yeah. You know why? Because actors are happy to have a job. Uh-huh. And I'm here on this talk show talking to you because of that last job that I had, which led to a job, which led to a job. That's right. And boy banders, I, I, they don't have that. There's some sort of idea that because they were often assembled, mm -hmm. right? Because their ascent was not out of any less hard work, but because it was engineered yeah. that they didn't sort of, they don't have the same sense of like, oh, look at me, look how cute I was. Yeah. And I, I really, I don't know why. I, I love that we were going the same place. That mm -hmm. Actors, so many of them, like, I mean, Oscar winning ones, Julianne Moore, I think was on what? One Life to Live or Another I have World to say, or... we do this every time that the soaps come up, <laughs> the actors on soaps, we kind of look at each other and, and get <laughs> angsty about which soaps are which. Let's just say she was on some soaps. Right. Um, and yeah, I was going to bring that up because, and we have talked about the training that you get on soaps. Absolutely. Or even on some sitcom, you know, uh, two guys and a girl in a pizza place, That's Ryan right. Reynolds. The amount of script that you have to like memorize, yep. uh, especially on soaps, on, on sitcoms, the amount of dialogue that actually doesn't happen on film. Sometimes 
on film, you shoot maybe two scenes a day. Sometimes, and- depending. And yeah, you're certainly not doing the same amount of turnaround every no. day or every week. And the equivalent, to bring back up what we were talking about last week on Mickey Mouse Club and Jessica Simpson, that is training. So whether or not boy bands are engineered and people don't take it like as seriously, what you're neglecting to give credit to is that engineering or not, they get put through a schedule mm-hmm. and it is a rigorous schedule that involves recording, practicing, choreography in the dance studio, media training, all of that, which sets you up with a certain foundation. Yeah, it's training and it's never a bad thing to be associated with the good feelings people had when they saw you doing that thing. You know, there's a reason that all those good feelings fill people with joy. I understand how it's different if they keep wanting you to perform, you know, wannabe Spice Girls, but yeah. uh, but there's places to move on. It also can make you even cooler in retrospect. Have you been following this thing that's been happening with Hillary Duff? Yeah, I have. So quick recap. So yeah. Lizzie McGuire was scheduled for a reboot. In fact, they signed all the contracts. They got uh, the young cast, now the 30-something cast, uh, back together. Yep. Everything was going on. And, and this is key, they had the old showrunner who created Lizzie McGuire back in the day. Her name is, I believe, Terry Mintz. And everything was going. Yep. And then. And then, and it was going at Disney. It was going at where Disney. Where it lived before. Right. But to be clear, this was meant to be an updated Lizzie McGuire. Well, this is not Hillary Duff playing the mom. No. This it's is Hillary checking Duff. checking in on Lizzie now. That's right. Continuing to play the role that she years played. Later, That's right. In like at 30 and what's she doing? Right. So it lived at Disney and I guess um, Disney, Disney was Plus, like, we should say. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It lived at Disney Plus. And then I guess at some point Disney was like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't as wholesome and corny as it used to be. Because she's 30 now. 30 some odd, family friendly, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and they, yeah, and they shut down production and fired the showrunner. Yeah. And Hillary Duff has stepped up and she's like, just move us to another property. Yeah. They're like, why don't you shift us over to Hulu uh, so that we could bring this beloved character to life again She's standing up for, I said it, the showrunner is actually Terry Minsky. Um, she's standing up for the showrunner, for the production that they were doing, but most importantly, standing up for the character. And that is amazing. Like Lizzie McGuire literally had emojis before emojis were a thing. There were little cartoons wandering around on screen. It was utterly cutesy. It was utterly for a tween audience. Yep. She's not ashamed of it. No. She's endorsing it and, in fact, advocating for the character to have another life. Yes. That's really, really, it makes everybody love her more. Mm-hmm. Not a, It doesn't somehow cripple you by going, oh, Hilary Duff, you can't be a grown woman if you're doing your, your childhood job. But she's also advocating for some realism. Oh, 100%. This person would have been that before, and I'm so proud of her, and I stand by it before, but this person is this now. Meaning, uh, (laughs) well, yeah, but you're exactly right. Like Lizzie McGuire, the 13-year-old, was a typical, if happy-go-lucky, 13-year-old with 13-year-old experiences, right? Yes. So now that she's a 30-something person... That necessarily means uh, Tinder and freelancing and trying to figure out how to take the perfect nude selfie. Having a drink now and again. And all of those things should absolutely be, uh, you know, the way that the character goes. Whereas, I mean, this is a real conversation between art and commerce, right? Disney wants to reboot Lizzie McGuire to get back to what seemed like a guaranteed license to print money. Yeah. Because the old show did so well. 
But Hillary Duff is going, actually, what we were making, what we were all proud to make was the eventual, you know, expansion story of who this person would have been. And it's still at an impasse right now, mm-hmm. as of like the time of this recording of this episode. Yes, they uh, they did some shady dealings. They fired the showrunner without uh, without letting Hillary Duff know she was away on a hiatus on her vacation. Uh, and in fact, I think some of the crew found out from the press and not actually from the studio themselves. Yeah. So it's super dirty dealings for sure. But again, Hillary Duff, this is the other thing that you get from being a really experienced person who's been in this business. You see the genius of what she did here. Yeah. She went immediately mm-hmm. to her fans, to the media. Yeah. So that everybody would know this is what the problem is. This is why it's not happening. So that everybody can go, come on, Disney. We all want to see this show. We want to see the grown-up Lizzie McGuire. Why not boot it over to Hulu? We'll see. It's good work, though. you got to admit. It's great work. It's great work. And I, I think that, you know, to go back to the, like, the macro of what we've been talking about, there are definitely a lot of problems with young people getting into, and we've discussed, there are definitely a lot of problems with young people getting into this business and um, all the ways in which it can be engineered and manipulated. But there are, on occasion, some success stories. Absolutely. And those success stories often set people up for life, not with money per se, but with skills to advocate for themselves with a real intimate understanding of how a very Byzantine business can work. Yeah. Um, that can do you very well. Um, so yeah, it's not by no means is it a, uh, a path with no pitfalls. Now more than ever, I think that now in 2020, ironically, even though people talk often about the dangers of social media and a constant digital online virtual presence, um, it does seem like there have been a few learnings from the tragedies of the past where now more than ever, there are some success stories that can come out of what the darkness was before, even the darkness of 15 years ago. Yeah, I don't disagree. But part of those learnings, and this goes back to Harry Styles and Taylor and everybody else, although we could afford young women a little more runway, is allowing people that we enjoy to have some runway, to make some mistakes, to not have everything that they do be under intense scrutiny through the lens of a 12-year-old girl, the way they might have been raised when they were in a boy band, when they were a tween icon, right? Yeah. That we give people a little more time to to find that transition. Um, But they have to keep up their end of the bargain by then becoming the entertainer we want to see. Yeah. Justin Bieber. (laughs) And, you know, we talked, we began this conversation with Harry Styles and like how we've both, we both have enjoyed the way he's rolled this out. Um, Over the last couple of years, especially we've talked before about how he's defended the taste of teen girls. Yeah. I love that. Um, And right now we're talking about how, yeah, his, transition into the second album and the way that he's presenting his, yeah, I'm just Harry. This is just kind of what I do. Yeah. That doesn't bother me. This doesn't bother me. How, why it's believable. Right. And he's allowed to do forays into acting and, uh, you know, other experiments that feel, that feel like a real person who's just, yeah, figuring out the second phase. You know what he's also really good at, though, or has been good at, is it's not like there wasn't turmoil within One Direction, Uh as there always is. Right. And the biggest sort of drama slash scandal was the departure of Zayn. Right. And none of those people talk to Zayn anymore. Um, And when Harry hosted Saturday Night Live, yeah, a few, which I think we both enjoyed. Yeah, I did. Absolutely. Um, Do you remember his opening monologue or performance and he kind of took a shot at Zayn a little bit? Yeah, kind of. He doesn't wear that either. Like even his beefs, as mild as it seems, 
or it might be, I don't know if it was mild, they they land mildly. And because it, it's, it's that sort of, he has a, you know, there's a physical resemblance, but this is not why I'm saying it. He has a Hugh Grant quality of shrugging and like, if you like me, you like me. Remember Hugh Grant, we all remember this, yeah. right? It was the scandal of all scandals. Yes. When he was dating this beautiful woman and then he was caught. Was he actually pulled over? Like, how did that actual yeah, catching happen? Yeah, he was pulled over. Like, it for, was Divine Brown? Is it was Divine the, Brown, yeah. yeah. Was the sex worker that he was uh, involved with. Uh, and by involved, I mean, like, <laughs> involved with yeah. in the moment when he was pulled over. Like, maybe was he driving crazy because he was... I'm just trying to think of the yeah. logistics now. I do you know? believe he was pulled over. Meaning that he was getting some attention and yeah. couldn't drive straight like, as I a result. I can see his mugshot. I, oh, and absolutely. And his mugshot is so him. Like one shoulder is up and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But I guess what I'm saying is uh, just, just so we're all clear. Uh, maybe don't get a blowjob while you're driving because people can tell that you're getting a blowjob while you're driving. Right. Because um, otherwise, why would he have been pulled over? But anyway... Then he went on, was it Leno or Letterman? Leno. Letter oh. Yeah. I mean, that's funny to me because I always think of Leno as being too uptight to deal with this kind of thing. Right. And, uh, you know, it was like, so what you been doing? And he giggled and Leno giggled. And then the whole thing was kind of over. Yeah. Because you're not trying hard to pretend it didn't happen. And that's sort of the quality I get off Harry Styles. It's like, I made a joke about the guy <laughs> in my band. So what do you want yeah. to know? That said, um, and this is a conversation about Harry Styles, but I got to admit, I read through the, you know, the pull quotes of this interview. I was like, where are you, Howard Stern? Like there are softball after softball. Is there, do we feel like he got a, a more generous uh, interview or is Howard also becoming, I know he's sort of talked periodically yeah. about being a gentler Howard Stern. Yeah. Um, but there was very little here to indicate that this was the Howard Stern interview instead of any other interview. But maybe it goes back to what you have been talking about where Harry is concerned, where because nothing is a big deal, then even as an interviewer, like you're not you're not, you don't taste it as strongly. You're not going for the jugular yeah. because they're not trying to right? protect something. Yeah, and I then your interview that. just ends up being not soft by intent, but just kind of chill because, um, as we both know, because we're both interviewers, you in a past job, me in a current job, it always like, it's, I try to set the mood, but you can only work with what you're given to play with. Oh, for sure. And when you're giving someone like, and when you're playing with somebody who's just like, yeah, <laughs> all that, yeah, it goes right off of me. Then it almost takes your like desire to get real dirty out of it. I mean, well, that's a, that's right. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm even scanning a quote about therapy here. Not that it's so revolutionary to be going to therapy, but not everybody who's in the public eye wants to admit that they uh, feel like they have problems they want to deal with in that way. But there's, yeah, there's not much here. Um, and uh, yeah, the more we scroll, the more it's like on trying mushrooms. They're like, <laughs> nobody cares. Of course he tried mushrooms. Of course he's lucky to have a lucrative career. Like yeah. there's nothing here that is anything other than a, yeah, but but that's tone. Yeah, but if there are more celebrities like Harry Styles who mm -hmm. are that cool with that much, yeah. they're going to put Her Howard Stern out of business. Now, that said, um, and I, I love our conversation right now because it's taking us to so many different places. That said, Harry Styles is in a pretty luxurious position where he, I mean, if his biggest problem or the most scandalous thing or... The, uh, the the most controversial thing about him is Taylor Swift dating Taylor Swift and breaking up with her and her writing some songs about him. Then he's in a pretty good place. Uh, yeah, he's a 26 year old rich white boy. That's who right. Dated some girl four years ago and broke up with a band another four years ago. That's right. Like, who are we kidding? With floppy hair and he's adorable. Whereas in comparison, and this is where you know your. Our work obsession crosses with your 
boy and girl band expertise align. Whereas someone like Normani. Yes. Um, it's it's a completely different story. And here is this here's the story that broke a few days ago. Yes. Normani is on the cover of the new Rolling Stone mm-hmm. with Megan Thee Stallion and SZA. Yeah. And Normani's about to release her first solo album after, you know, the demise, the breakup, or whatever of Fifth Harmony. Yes. One of the things that Normani has not been open, not open, but one of the things she has not openly addressed yet until now is the situation with Camila Cabello. Right. Because of course, uh, and you're going to have to help me with the details. I got a crash course in this the other day, but um, when the disagreements and the conflicts were happening in Fifth Harmony, the idea was sort of that Camila Cabello left uh, over the strife or rather than deal with the strife. Right. But in fact, Normani kind of alleges that, in fact, she was always the one who was on the outside. She was the one who was always bearing the brunt of uh, cliqueishness and racism Mm -hmm. and whatever else that uh, the luxury kind of was leaving. Right. That that Cabello was able to leave because she was, as you put it, the one. Yeah. Right. Or seen to be the one, the one who could go on. Whereas uh, Normani kind of felt like she had to stay to 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 prove herself some to more. prove herself and to yeah. make that she didn't have the legs out there yet. Yeah. Look, for a long time, fans have been on it. Camila tweeted and had said in the past some very terrible things, racist remarks uh, that were not specifically aimed at Normani, but also not not aimed at her. That's right. And so Normani has responded through Rolling Stone. It was a very thoughtful, very gracious, but candid, um, candid description of what happened. And I'm going to read it. It's a little bit lengthy, but I think it's it's worth it. Yeah, I, I, we want to hear it. Okay. She actually was asked about it during the interview, um, but she didn't want to answer in the moment. So she ended up following up with the writer via email. And this is what was said in the email. I want to be very clear about what I'm going to say on this uncomfortable subject and figured it would be best to write out my thoughts to avoid being misconstrued as as I have been in the past. I struggled with talking about this because I didn't want it to be a part of my narrative, but I am a black woman who is part of an entire generation that has a similar story. It was devastating that this came from a place that was supposed to be a safe haven and a sisterhood because I knew that if the tables were turned, I would defend each of them in a single heartbeat. It took days for her, that's Camila, to acknowledge what I was dealing with online and then years for her to take responsibility for the offensive tweets that recently resurfaced. Whether or not it was her intention, this made me feel like I was second to the relationship that she had with her fans. Mm Mm-hmm. I really hope that an important lesson was learned in this. I hope there is genuine understanding about why this was absolutely unacceptable. I have spoken what is in my heart and pray that this is transparent enough that I never have to speak on it again. To my brown men and women, we are like no other. Our power lies within our culture. So um, Camila has since responded, um, you know, she has previously on Twitter talked about how in the past she's used offensive language and she regrets it. But this right now is about Normani and cycling back to what we always get to going to work and having to work day in and day out. Mm-hmm. We've talked about what goes on in any sort of band like One Direction Fifth Harmony was put together yeah, from a variety show, from yep. a talent competition. Yeah, from uh, it was a Simon Cowell construction. Right. But then, to your point, from there, you still have to work. Absolutely, you, you show up, you go to the studio, you practice your vocals together, you do the choreography. It is a job, and in that job, Normani was working with a colleague who was making aggressions and microaggressions. Right, and arguably not just one. That's right. Which, again, real world application. Probably lots of people in their workplaces are dealing with the same. Yes. And you can't quit. No. (laughs) It would feel real good to do so. But yeah, like that's life. You can't quit. And you have to eat it. 
it, even though it stings. Yeah. Yes. So you eat it. And then sometimes you see that person who microaggressed and aggressed you go on to huge success. And you Promotions. know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, sometimes they, yeah, they're trajectory is, you know, leaves yours in its wake. And yeah, there's the thing is, and this is why I really like her point about this is the last time I'm going to address this. If you stew about it, if you stew about who it is, is who's in the corner office, who started with you in the temp pool and all the reasons why they shouldn't be there, it will eat you up, right? Like, this is the thing that's so painful about the whole thing is if I am Normani, if I'm going through this situation, all I want to do is go, is anybody seeing this? Do people not know? Yeah. But the more you do that, the more it's, it's taking away from the very boring, but very like essential work of putting one foot in the other, in front of the other. That's right. Right? Like this is sort of the thing of there's no shortcut, even when stupid shit happens around you at work, Mm -hmm. the only way out of it is through it. The only way out of it is to go, yep, I got passed over for promotion or everybody thinks so-and-so is amazing. And the path is not to make a big hairy deal about it, even though you want to so badly. Yeah. Right? You just have to keep showing up and putting one foot in front of the other every day and telling yourself either I'm learning shit that I will take with me when I go Mm -hmm. or people will find this out later and all I'll say is that I I knew once upon a time, so I'm yeah. a good judge of character. Or, you know, things are things are gonna turn around even if I don't see how. And frankly, for those who can throw a hissy over it, that in itself is a privilege, a luxury. As many people listening, if you are a person of color, if you are from a, an oppressed minority, you know you don't have a choice. The only option is what you just said, Duanna, is you just keep going. You put one foot in front of the other. Which isn't to say that you have to stay in a situation that is abusive. No. uh, That is uh, detrimental to your mental health, but you have to keep putting one foot in front of the other until you find an escape hatch, right? Until you find an exit clause. Yeah. So for for Normani, I mean... As you said, she doesn't want to speak on this in the future. Mm-hmm. Like she's had, she's she's made her one definitive statement about it. But in her statement, she really very broadly but succinctly detailed in in a in a a pretty like in a way that really is expansively um, expansively kind of covers more than just the entertainment industry, which is what I really appreciate about these words. Mm-hmm. She was in a place where it was supposed to be safe. That's everybody's workplace. Or, at, uh, yes, or she talks about the line that jumps out at me is, I would have stood up for any one of them, or whatever her language That's is. That's right. That, in her mind, that was the code, right? That's right. This is what we do for one another. That's right. Us, and if it, even if it's not a workspace, it was supposed to be a friend space. Right. Because that is the the sort of the the intangible thing that makes these boy and girl groups work. We have to believe they love each other, that they're friends, that they are spending all this time together because not only are they merging their talents, but also their personalities. Right. And, you know, it's not a fiction altogether in the sense that nobody can understand what they are going through. Except them. Except them. That's right. So she says... This was supposed to be a safe haven. So you can apply that to an office or you can apply it to a friend group. You can apply it to a family. And somebody in that space made me feel unsafe. And at the time, I felt betrayed, but also what could I do? I'm so glad that you said a friend group because I feel like this is a lesson that a lot of us learn against our will circa junior high or high school. When you become the goat of a friend group, but what are you going to do? Wander around defenseless with nobody? No, you sort of suck it up and wait for the tide to turn. Yeah. And then you go become friends with that other weird girl who's on your lunch or you, you know, start dating somebody at camp that summer or whatever. But a lot of times it's about enduring. 
It, it, it really, like, yeah, that is a great word, enduring. And she has endured. She's had now the opportunity. And my God, what an opportunity. If you're going to have your fucking say in Rolling Stone, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, it's not saying that uh, that revenge is always sweet, that no. there's always that sort of poetic justice. Yeah. But it sure does come faster if you're not all the time focused on your on your wound, right? Yeah. And I will say too, from uh, uh, I, I really like the the work flex here too of in the moment being asked about it in the interview, not being ready to answer it. And then coming back in a follow-up with an email. Oh, it, right? it, this is, look, this is such a lesson for all of us. This is the biggest lesson, the most universal takeaway, yeah, right? Right? I, it's that thing. And we're all still kind of a little hesitant to do it, to just kind of go, you know what? I'll think about it. I'll let you know when you're being pressured to sign something, when you have to come up with an answer on the spot, you can always go away and think about something and come back with the sober second thought. There's no penalty there. There's nothing that makes you look anything other than thoughtful and methodical and caring, as you say, about your work. I love it. And I I, I think that she did her job. Um, she did her job without compromising like the writer's job. The writer's job was to ask the question. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that the question was asked. Yep. It needed to be asked. At the moment, she couldn't give the answer, but she delivered. Like everybody's happy. Yeah. And I guess on top of everything else, that's the lesson to journalists. If you're afraid of asking the touchy question, because it might not go well, it, it also can turn out like this, where somebody says, I, I, I have no comment on that. I'm yeah. not touching that. And then comes back later. Yeah, I love it. I mean, is this, is there ever any doubt that uh, teen culture and youth culture gives us the most in our celebrities? It really does. Right? I, I, I mean, listen, people who've been listening to us and reading us know that we've never, <laughs> we've never hidden our, I don't know, like bend towards teen culture and the things that teens love. But I, I, I think that the ones that we're talking about and the ones that we've talked about on this show, there is a skill with um, being popular when you're a teen with teens and then bringing those teens along with you. Yeah. The growth, yeah. even with speed bumps along the way, yeah. is part of what makes you great, what makes you endure. And for further reading, if you want to go into this topic, there's also a great variety piece on Mandy Moore talking about returning to music. The headline says 20 years after hitting it big. And you can debate whether the hitting it big is from her original first album or if they're referring to This Is to Us. Remember. Oh, that too, you know. <laughs> Uh, there's, there's a debate to be had, but certainly that's for extra credit. Yeah. And of that generation. Yeah. Uh, the exact same generation that's for right. sure. Um, yeah. So the Mandy Moore variety is a good read to go along with, you know, all the people and the sort of, and the sort of vibe and environment we've been discussing on this episode. Absolutely. And then we also have some homework for you yes. for next week. So, uh, reader suggestion. Yes, we just got an email. It's homework for us and you. And that's the best kind. We have been loving, by the way, your suggestions for show your work. Uh, and uh, we'll address this a little bit next week. But somebody wrote us a whole outline for an episode complete with references uh, on what they think we should talk about. So uh, we'll, we'll do a further shout out on that front next week. But Christy was the one who emailed us. Christy emailed us because um, Ali Wong was on Conan's podcast, Conan Needs a Friend, and she talked about the life of a stand-up. And she specifically went super detailed on her process. 
her word choice in in writing her jokes, the writing, which is pornographic for you and me. Oh, absolutely. Especially in something like stand-up where it makes the difference between a joke working or not. That's right. It's the precision, which goes back to what we're talking about with Brad Pitt, why we didn't quite buy that he wasn't writing his own speeches because each joke was so precisely crafted. But I bet she will say when we listen to this podcast that writing is half of it and delivery is the other half. That's right. So uh, that's our homework and we'll discuss it next week. So hopefully you'll do your homework. Um, And then until then, thank you for listening. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave reviews and comments. They help us so much. And um, if you want to uh, send us emails like the the person that will profile next week with the syllabus and what was it about? Uh, it, I think we should save that because it's a good topic. <laughs> it is a compare and contrast between the careers of two of our uh, beloved actresses who maybe don't get enough play. Got it. Um, so we will uh, we appreciate we appreciate those kinds of suggestions too. Uh, whatever you want to send us that will relate to work and the show your work podcast, we love we acknowledge we recognize you thank you so much for putting in that work we cannot wait to hear from you about the work flexes and revelations that are happening in your life as a result of anything in pop culture or culture in general tell us about your corona flex (laughs) we'll be back soon bye bye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.